Good morning and welcome to Sunday Digest, a public affairs presentation of FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. I'm Ken Robinson. On today's edition, we will prepare for the tornado season, what you and your family must do to be safe in case of a twister. Also, poverty in Northeast Ohio. There are more poor people in greater Cleveland now than ever before. Very unfortunately, uh, the 1994 poverty rate in Cuyahoga County hit a record 20.2%. We have more than one-fifth of all people in Cuyahoga County poor now. And we'll find out why on today's edition of Sunday Digest. Brace yourself, this is the tornado season, a time when our area is susceptible to one of the most destructive forms of nature. The Cuyahoga County Emergency Management Assistance Center is urging residents to be prepared for bad weather. Yetta Kulik is the center's operations supervisor. First of all, Yetta, what kind of weather sparks twisters? Um, Unseasonably warm temperatures with a south wind gusting 15 to 25 miles an hour would be the kind of weather that would precipitate tornadic activity, according to the National Weather Service. So what should uh, people, uh, what should be in the back of their minds uh, this time of year? So often people, you know, just kind of nod their heads. Yeah, yeah, we know it's tornado season. But, it, but it's, it's more important than that, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Over the last 40 years, Ohio has averaged 15 tornadoes a year. Um, what we need to remember is that a tornado can strike at any time, 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, and in any month of the year. So the important thing is for people to remember that they need to stay aware. If the weather is going to change, most of us have a, a real good idea. If it's 75 today and it's going to be 50 tomorrow, then you know that there's a possibility that there could be some severe weather that's going to precipitate that change. Um, they can keep their eye on the sky, keep their ears open. They need to know the difference between tornado watch, which just means watch, be aware. Uh, the conditions are right for tornadic activity to develop, and a tornado warning, which means a funnel has actually been sighted. All right. Now, when there's a tornado watch, what should people do? Uh, turn on their local broadcast media, radio, television stations, uh, keep their eyes and ears open, watch the sky, and try to pay attention to where the storms are. So basically, I guess a good way to remember it would be that uh, a tornado watch means watch out, there may be trouble. Exactly, exactly. And with the National Weather Service's new Doppler radar, the, uh, the warning areas for tornado watches and warnings will actually be far more specialized over the next few years. In the old days, or, or according to the older systems, when the watch boxes were issued out of Kansas City, they cover a very large area, um, half a state, a third of a state, several states sometimes. Those are big grids that they would mark. Uh, with the newer Doppler radar forecasting abilities, they're going to be able to target specific counties and areas for watch activity. So um, in the future, if a watch is issued for your area, it's much more likely that severe weather activity could occur. Now, tornado warning means it's time to prepare yourself, uh, there's trouble in the area? 
Exactly. A tornado warning means either on radar or visually a tornado has actually been sighted. There's, there's the Skywarn Spotter Network that works with the National Weather Service, and these are people and, and also law enforcement officers that keep their eye on the sky during uh, times of possible severe weather. And also the new Doppler radar can actually pinpoint tornado activity. So we actually have a couple of, of really good systems in place for spotting uh, funnel clouds and tornadoes. A funnel cloud means that it just hasn't hit the ground, that's all. Same thing, oh, a tornado has touched the ground and a funnel cloud hasn't. Okay. Now, if you're in a, a warning area, a tornado warning area, is that the time to take cover? It certainly is. Uh, and the best place to take cover is below ground. And if you have a basement area that you can get to, and especially under a workbench or stairwell, something that provides additional support in case there's a building collapse, that those would be the ideal places to go. Should everyone have a, a, a like an emergency uh, drill at home in, in case there's a, a tornado coming through the area? Absolutely. It really is good to plan in advance with your family members, gather your family members together, and decide in advance where is the safest place in your house. Of course, if you have a basement, the basement is the safest place. If you don't have a basement at home, you need to go to small interior rooms, a bathroom, for example, or an interior closet. The idea is to put as many walls between you and the storm as possible and as little structural support. If you're on outside walls, then if the building collapses, the roof collapses more easily. If you're on interior walls, there's not as much structural support in there. All right. We thank you for that information. Yetta Kulik, Operations Supervisor at the Cuyahoga County Emergency Management Assistance Center. Now joining us is WGAR meteorologist Joe Murgo. Joe? You heard Yetta explain that we're in a tornado alley. What is it about our area that makes it so prone to tornadoes? Actually, the whole uh, climatology and the geography of your area uh, leads to uh, the severe weather that affects your area. And that tornado alley actually goes all the way through southwestern Ohio and on into the Plain States, which are notorious for having tornadoes during the springtime season. And uh, this is the season that uh, we have to start worrying about uh, severe weather. And the reason why is the upper levels of the atmosphere are still quite cold uh, from the winter season that's now coming to an end. And meanwhile, the ground is starting to warm up with the sunshine that's getting stronger and stronger from day to day. And with warm air sitting underneath cold air, like a hot air balloon, the warm air wants to rise. And that helps to form some thunderstorms around our region. Now, how late does the uh, tornado season usually last? How late into the year? Well, tornadoes can happen at any point in time during the year, but uh, in our area, the highest probability for tornadoes comes sometime the beginning of the season, sometime in the middle of March. And then uh, the highest frequency of tornadoes across our region probably happens in May, perhaps even in early June. And then as the summer heat takes over, the, the severe weather outbreaks start to become uh, less frequent. Now, I know they say tornadoes can happen at any time, but I notice that when we get, like, tornado watches and warnings and, uh, you know, weather alerts, that kind of thing, they're usually in the afternoon. 
Yes, it is usually in the afternoon for the same reason I was talking about hot air balloon effect. The sun warms up the ground all day long, and it's colder in the upper levels of the atmosphere. And uh, the warmest air at the surface occurs in the late afternoon, as we feel uh, in the afternoon hours. It's not quite as so chilly out there, and that's when we usually have our high temperature. And that warm air at the surface getting ready to rise quickly and form a thunderstorm is what forms severe thunderstorms. And... At that time of the day, with the warmest air at the surface, that's the prime time for thunderstorms to fire up. Another frequent uh, time that may happen with uh, severe weather in our region is in the very late night hours. There's another uh, mechanism that can form uh, severe clusters of thunderstorms, uh, severe thunderstorms in, in batches that form in the middle to late part of the night and travel across our region. So it's not the question that you could be woken up by severe weather. Now, some people say you can actually hear a, a tornado coming or, or one forming. Is that true? When a tornado is close by, it does have somewhat of a roar to it. And uh, it's always been said it sounds something like a, a, a freight train going by. And it, and it actually does sound somewhat like that. Now, I also hear that you shouldn't, uh, if you're in a mobile home, you're supposed to, to get out of that home if there's a tornado uh, in the area. Yes, because mobile homes are uh, not firmly secured to the ground enough to sustain winds over 200 miles per hour, which are possible in tornadoes. So the best thing to do is to uh, leave the mobile home and find a secure shelter, or if you do not have enough time, uh, lie in a low-lying spot like a ditch somewhere where you're protected away from uh, any blowing debris away from the mobile home. Don't oh. go underneath it. Okay, well, what about if you're in a car? If you're in a car, you should leave your car because the car could be picked up and tossed and try to find a little ditch on the side of the road to lay in. If you're in the ditch, sometimes the strongest winds will blow over you and they don't get down into that little low-lying area. So don't try to, to outrun the, the tornado. <laughs> no, no. Usually it's not a good suggestion. If you need to move uh, and you don't have a low-lying area, try to run at a right angle to the tornado. That would be the only chance that you would have against it. Now, what if you're in a public building like an office or a courthouse or, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an institution where, you know, maybe they don't practice uh, tornado drills or maybe the office uh, doesn't uh, have an evacuation plan that they regularly uh, practice? Well, the thing you should try to do in, in a larger building is to try to get down into the basement. Sometimes that is not possible, but you should try at any cost. Uh, otherwise, what you should do is... Uh, Locate yourself down on all fours, hands and knees, with your hands over your head to protect yourself from flying debris, and get it underneath something secure like a doorway or uh, under a firm desk, something that will protect you from a wall coming down or from the flying debris. All right. We thank you for joining us today. WGAR meteorologist Joe Murgo. Well, up next, unemployment is down and the economy is booming. But yet poverty remains high around Northeast Ohio. We'll explore the reasons why. You're listening to Sunday Digest on FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. I'm Ken Robinson.
My next guest is George Zeller, a researcher at the Council for Economic Opportunities right here in Cleveland. George, we understand that poverty in our area has hit a new high. Very unfortunately, uh, the 1994 poverty rate in Cuyahoga County hit a record 20.2%. We have more than one-fifth of all people in Cuyahoga County poor now. The Cleveland rate has risen to 42%, more than two-fifths of the population of the city of Cleveland. Uh, alarmingly, uh, a record figure of poor people in the suburbs was reached. Uh, in Cuyahoga County, since the mid-80s, all of our poverty growth has been either on the west side of Cleveland or mainly in the suburban municipalities. We have almost 72,000 poor people in the suburbs now, by far an all-time record. We have all of the inner-ring suburbs of Cleveland showing increasing poverty. Lakewood, Euclid, Cleveland Heights, Parma. Uh, the border of the city of Cleveland is no longer a barrier to uh, low-income people, and uh, we desperately need to, uh, re- to turn the situation around so that people get out of poverty instead of seeing these increases. The main cause of poverty is the same as it has always been people are below the poverty level because they don't have a job that generates enough income to get out of poverty. And unfortunately, the Cuyahoga County economy has been drastically underperforming the rest of the state and the rest of the nation over the last 15 years. We lost during the 90s alone 35,000 jobs. Now since 1979, our manufacturing job losses in Cuyahoga County are more than 93,000, a staggering figure. Uh, During 1994, during a booming national economy, Cleveland finally began to generate some employment and came out of the recession. We gained 16,000 jobs uh, in 1994. None of them were in manufacturing. Cuyahoga County is the only county in northeastern Ohio that lost manufacturing jobs in 1994. So it's vital if we're going to uh, get people out of poverty, we need to provide good jobs with good wages for them, and we need to desperately turn around these continual losses in uh, manufacturing employment here. So in Cuyahoga County, 20% of the population lives in poverty. Yes, and this is, again, a continuing trend. Uh, Some groups are much more prone to be in poverty than others. It is uh, not only employment that's involved here. Single-parent households headed by women are still eight times poorer than married couple families in Cuyahoga County. That's much higher than the national average. We still have a black poverty rate that's more than four times that of the white poverty rate in, in Cuyahoga County. A scandalous figure is that the black poverty rate here in Cuyahoga County for high school graduates exceeds the white poverty rate for high school dropouts. Uh, So we have demographic factors that are involved here, but the principal means of getting someone out of poverty is to raise their income from employment, and we desperately need to see job growth that's targeted to blue-collar industries here. Now, what about the city of Cleveland itself? Well, what is the poverty rate inside the city limits? Uh, Once again, unfortunately, the city of Cleveland uh, now has a record 42% uh, poverty rate. Uh, We not only have more poor people in the city of Cleveland, but a very disturbing finding in our new report. Uh, The 1990 census found that during the 80s, the average income, not the number of poor people, but the average middle class income, declined in all 35 neighborhoods of the city of Cleveland. There were no exceptions. So we not only have increasing numbers of poor people here, but the economic position of the middle class is eroding. At the same time, we had 21 suburbs at the edge of Cuyahoga County 
where incomes have increased in recent years. So we're paralleling a national trend. Uh, the, the affluent are doing better and quite well, thank you. The poor are more nu- numerous and actually poorer, and the earnings of the middle class are declining here, and certainly Cuyahoga County is an unfortunate example of that. I would imagine in some Cleveland neighborhoods the poverty rate is a lot higher than 40 percent? Yes, we have uh, poverty rates exceeding 50 percent in uh, just about all of the east side neighborhoods and several on the west side. Uh, Some, such as Hoffman Central, are over 75 percent. So we have uh, concentrations of poverty, but uh, once again, uh, uh, poverty is no longer an inner city phenomenon only. All of us have a self-interest in dealing with this problem and getting employment increased here. Uh, you, you can't run to the suburbs and avoid this difficulty anymore. Increasing numbers of suburban residents are, are falling into poverty and, uh, and therefore have a hard time surviving, just putting food on the table and paying their rent. What about the city of Parma? What, what's the poverty rate there? Well, the Parma poverty rate is still relatively low, down around 4 or 5%, much lower than what we find in the central city. But comparing Parma to itself, we have seen uh, very substantial increases. We have uh, over 4,000 poor people living in the city of Parma now. And that's, uh, again, a situation that we don't like to see. And Parma was among those municipalities where the non-poor middle class lost income during the 80s. So even if people are not living in abject destitution in many of our suburbs, they're having a a more difficult time making ends meet because their incomes are falling. Again, the way to turn that situation around is to get people employment that pays decent earnings that enables individuals to support their families. And uh, the way to do that is to get Cuyahoga County's job generation performance up to the par that we're seeing in the rest of the state and country. And unfortunately, uh, we have not seen that in recent years. Now, they're saying, the experts are saying uh, that uh, those days of high-paying manufacturing jobs are, are gone forever. They're, they're gone overseas where the, the cost of production is a lot lower and uh, people work for a, a lot less, and, and they're never coming back to the United States. Uh, first of all, if, if manufacturing jobs are never coming back to Cleveland, then Cleveland has no future. I'm not willing to accept that, and uh, at CEO, we're not willing to accept that. On the other hand, uh, I, it's not true that manufacturing jobs are permanently disappeared. The only county in the whole state of Ohio that lost manuf- uh, north uh, northeastern portion of Ohio that lost manufacturing jobs in 1994 was Cuyahoga. All of the other counties in our listening area gained manufacturing jobs last year. So it is not true that we are not seeing manufacturing job growth anywhere in the country. We're seeing it throughout northeast Ohio, except in Cuyahoga County. Uh, Unfortunately, an increasing percentage of the jobs in Cuyahoga County are held by people who don't live here either. In 1970, one-seventh of all jobs were held by people who lived in another county. That proportion is now over one-fifth and rising. So we not only have a sluggish job market here in the county, but the percentage of the jobs we do have that are held by people that don't live in the county are increasing. What we need to do is get employment for the people who live in the neighborhoods of Cleveland and many of its suburbs where we have economic difficulties. Do we have a problem with transportation as well, getting people who live in uh, the inner city and in a lot of the suburbs where there aren't a wealth of jobs out to the areas where the jobs are? 
Yes, that's a very, very serious problem because the, many of the counties surrounding Cuyahoga are growing in a robust fashion. Medina County is one of the fastest growing counties in the state. Uh, Lorain County had a bad 1980s, but it has gained employment during the 90s. But somebody who lives in the center city of Cleveland uh, many times doesn't have access to that job in transportation sense or even an awareness of how to go apply for the job out in Medina or in Geauga County or wherever it might be. So we uh, we need to exert a, a full effort to both increase employment levels, especially blue-collar employment levels, in Cleveland and its suburbs, but also uh, get people both to jobs uh, where they exist and to provide the training that individuals need in order to hold these jobs. Uh, now, you mentioned that a lot of people uh, who have good-paying jobs choose not to live uh, in the city of Cleveland. Is that partially because there, there's so much poverty in, the, uh, in Cleveland? They, they don't want to, to, to live under those surroundings? Well, of course, when you get uh, poverty incidents at, at the high levels that we see in many Cleveland neighborhoods, it causes a myriad of problems. You have difficulties with crime, you have high insurance rates, you have uh, problems of dropouts in the school district. Uh, the list of problems is endless, and that makes an area less attractive. What really is driving people to the uh, out of the county, even, to adjacent counties in housing, is the fact that we're constructing more housing out uh, in the fringe suburbs and in the next county than we are creating new households here. So people are just continually moving out because the housing market is structured in such a way that it's encouraged. Furthermore, we build new freeways to go out there so that people can drive in. So the whole problem is very complex. There's no one simple solution to it, but the basic goal we have to set as a priority is to provide employment for people so that they can support their families. Uh, the average poor household in Cuyahoga County only makes $6,000 a year. That's an incredibly small amount of money you're struggling to survive on, on that level. And we need to get people in the productive economic mainstream. That's uh, a goal we can all support. Now, as far as luring uh, high-paying manufacturing jobs to the Cleveland area, didn't we try that with uh, tax abatement and uh, all kinds of incentive packages? Uh, is there a way to lure these kinds of jobs back? Very fortunately, I'm glad to say that uh, at their annual dinner two weeks ago, the Greater Cleveland Growth Association announced that they are going to make employment increases in manufacturing the top priority of development efforts here in Cleveland. That's a very solid step forward in a policy sense. What we need to do is not talk about that, though. We need to see growth in actual employment itself. This won't be easy. The government can't do all of it. Most of the jobs are created by the private sector. You and I need to be involved in this. Uh, the innovations that we create, uh, the new products that we build, are the things that are going to build jobs here in the future. So we don't uh, just want to rely on other people. We all have a self-interest in getting involved in creating new employment here. Well, what, what do we have here? Do we have a lack of leadership, uh, a lack of ability to, to go out there and, and lure uh, businesses to our area? I think we've had uh, a unfortunate... Uh, let me start the answer to that again. Uh, we, I don't believe, have made employment development, especially in blue-collar industries, our central focus in the past. There are many things that we've been concerned with here in Cleveland. Now I think there's a recognition on everybody's part that this is vital. 
And uh, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's something that's going to require a lot of work. We need to get on with the effort. Now, we've, uh, we've talked about this problem for many years, uh, and every year uh, the poverty rate seems to be a little bit higher than the year before. Uh, each year I, I ask you uh, if we've turned the corner yet, and uh, what do you say this year? Well, the one piece of optimistic news that we have this year is that Cuyahoga County actually has finally come out of the depths of the recession. We still have fewer jobs in the county today than we had in 1990. We have not recovered all the way from the recession, but we did gain 16,000 jobs in Cuyahoga County in 1994. That's the slowest growth rate of any county in northeast Ohio, but it is a step forward. We have bottomed out and we're moving up. We need to keep up that momentum. Uh, we also, during the bad times, need to avoid the huge losses that we've had. Uh, we lost over a billion dollars of payroll from the 35,000 jobs we lost between 1990 and 1993. Uh, it's going to take a lot of recovery to make up for that. And this shows up in the pocketbooks and the paychecks of uh, workers here in Cleveland. Well, do you think people really wanted to get involved in this effort, or, or we we seem to be conditioned to, to run from, from poverty, to run from trouble? Uh, do you think that flight will continue, or, or will people say, hey, maybe we've got to stop this, or we'll just keep running uh, forever? We have no choice. We must provide economic opportunities for people. It hurts all of us. The increased crime rates, the financial problems that government has, the list is endless of the problems that this causes for us. Uh, I have never met a poor person who did not want to work. People are desperate to support their families. Uh, an average ADC family in Ohio gets $4,000 a year. You can't live on that. No one wants to do that. They all want to, uh, to work and to support their families. We need to provide an economy here in Cleveland that's growing that enables more and more people to do that and so that we can get this poverty rate down. It's, it's our main mission at the Council for Economic Opportunities. All right, and uh, once again, to over 20% uh, unemployment rate uh, in Cuyahoga County, over 40% uh, uh, poverty rate, I'm sorry, in, uh, in Cleveland, the city of Cleveland. Uh, these are troubling statistics. Uh, uh, how accurate are they? Are, are they pretty accurate? Uh, some people say, well, poverty isn't really that bad, or, or the numbers really don't show the true story. I think, fortunately, we're out of the denial phase in Cleveland. The numbers that we've re produced this year are actually more accurate than any we've, any we've had at any time in the past. A lot of our data on, that we use to produce our reports are now produced by computerized matching of addresses versus public assistance recipients and other data sources that we have. So the question of the accuracy of the figures is not the problem. And uh, we should not focus on arguments about tenths of a point on statistics in any event. Uh, the magnitude of the problem is, is, is what's shocking. Uh, we have 281,000 poor people in the county. Just last Saturday, we saw Gundarina again to uh, see the Knicks. You could sell out Gundarina 13 and a half times with the number of poor people that we have in the county. We all have a self-interest of turning that situation around. It's scandalous. All right, and finally, what is the poverty rate for the state of Ohio as a whole? Uh, actually, uh, although the situation is worse here in Cuyahoga County than it is elsewhere, we've seen a disturbing trend both in the state and in the country. Ohio's poverty rate reached 16% in 1993, the most 
recently available figure, that was a record. The United States poverty rate has gone up every year since 1989. In 1991 and 92, the increases that we saw were the first ones in history that ever occurred when we were not in a recession in this country. So we have a situation where poor people are becoming poorer and the middle class is losing earnings on a statewide and national basis. Uh, so this is a challenge for the country, not just for us here in Cleveland. All right. We want to thank you for joining us today. George Zeller, senior researcher at the Council for Economic Opportunities, an organization located right here in Cleveland. And that's today's edition of Sunday Digest. Sunday Digest is a public affairs presentation of FM 99.5 WGAR, Cleveland's country music station. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can write Sunday Digest, WGAR, 5005, Rockside Road, Cleveland, 44131. Or you can give us a call during regular business hours. We'll be more than happy to talk to you. Until next time... I'm Ken Robinson, thanking you for listening and hoping you'll join us next time for another Sunday Digest. Make Coinbase your home base for cryptocurrency trading. Coinbase supports a growing list of assets, including Bitcoin and Ethereum. You can count on Coinbase for safety. Crypto stored on their servers is covered by insurance. Coinbase will pay you to start trading and to watch their instructional videos so you can earn while you learn. Get all the details at krobcollection.com and you'll discover that Coinbase is easy to use, trusted, and secure.